another segment of Hello and welcome to another segment of JT Brew the Stew with my boy Coach Clark around the ice. We're gonna be talking all kinds of news, go over some players, who would you rather have, pick a guy, all that and more coming up here on the stew. So, as you see, we're on a new channel, Total Apex Sports. So, make sure if you guys go follow them on the X, go check out the website. We're going to be putting some of our betting content on there, Toast Takes as well. You can still follow us, like and subscribe to us on the Stew with JT Brew. You can like us on our podcast, go to the YouTube channel, Spotify, wherever you watch that stuff. Go ahead and check us out. It is now time. For Around the Ice Toast, let's talk about big news that came out today from Chicago. The Blackhawks going to be hosting the Winter Classic against the St. Louis Blues next year. We were just discussing this the other day, how we'd love for there to be another game up in Chicago, get a chance to go to a uh, Winter Classic game. Now we might get a shot. We have to get in there and get tickets. But, man, I'm pumped about this. Oh, I, I'm it. A- so unbelievably excited um and i think uh uh not only uh, are we excited you know as fans uh you know uh, uh the blackhawks i'm a big fan i know you're uh, you're also a fan of the blackhawks uh, being a big red wings fan uh but really this is this is big for the organization uh taking that next step out of the uh as they kind of go into the middle of that rebuild and you're starting to just start to maybe start to come out of it next year by this time um i would hope that connor bedard is going to have a little bit more help um you know going in that winter classic next year he'll definitely have uh, the likes of taylor hall back uh, to uh, help him out uh to give him a little bit more stability um hopefully uh, no injuries like there's been this year and who knows uh, maybe we'll have a, another free agent or two to kind of help out along the way where we can make that winter classic uh one that's competitive uh jt uh, I, I know the hawks they really haven't been good um, in their uh, uh, career as a team, there is one in five all the time in outdoor games. But who cares? I mean, if, if we end up winning the game, great. If we don't, it doesn't really matter. We're going to play the Blues. It's going to be at Wrigley Field. I couldn't imagine it's going to get any better than that. JT, what do you think? Um, um, $250 a ticket is kind of what I'm hearing. Obviously, there's nothing posted online or not selling those tickets. They're not for sale. But usually, uh, there's around $250 a ticket. I'm like thinking we should do that. I'm in. I'm in on 250 ticket. I know seems like a ton, but these days I don't feel like I can go to anything for less than a hundred dollars. And when you got a, something special like that, I'm all about it. I I'm in on this. If we can get tickets, I'm going to be keeping my eye out because I think we got to try to get tickets. Both of us are in Illinois. You're a huge Blackhawks fan. I'm becoming more of a Blackhawks fan now that they don't play the Red Wings all the time. So I think it's something we got to do. I mean, we look back at it. Uh, Hawks host the first winter class for them. Back in 2009 versus the Red Wings, I remember watching that game and going, man, I really wish I was there. But I had just opened my restaurant at that point. I mean, I had been open like six months. I was deep in it. I was up to my eyeballs. I was throwing, you know, New Year's Eve parties. Craziness back then. 
Red Wings won that one six to four. But I I would love to get up there. I think it's just two fifty. I think it's just all about the experience. You know, the winter classics about the experience. You're hoping for a good game, but really it's about going there, being at Wrigley, being outside, old school hockey. Like I I just don't know if it gets much better than that. Yeah, and I don't even know if we let's say we we did go. Let's say we're sitting out in the bleachers. I'm I'm not saying that it's gonna be a great seat. I don't know if you'll really have a great angle to really watch exactly what's happening on the ice, but I think more it's about the atmosphere, right? The hype up to mm-hmm. it, the experience Absolutely. of being there. Um, you know, we, we all understand when they're in an outdoor game, they're out there in the elements, uh, meaning it may not be cold enough. It may be too cold. It could be raining slightly. It could be snowing. It could be windy. So with all of the elements outside, especially being New Year's Day, you never quite know what type of product you're going to get on the ice. Uh, but I really think that's like secondary, quite frankly. Everybody's there to maybe do a little bit of tailgating, uh, you know, having a whole lot of fun and really watching something that, quite frankly, they'll, they'll probably the majority of people are like, I'll never see anything like this again in my life. Um, so you mentioned that one back in 2009, JT. Interesting about that is the Hawks were just getting really good. They were just entering their dynasty. You know, they won a cup in 13, and again in 15. And their wings were really, really good. The Hawks were uh, – the wings were coming off a couple cups in a row, you know, right mm-hmm. there. And uh, the, the Hawks were kind of um, – the wings were the the big brother, so to speak. And the Hawks were really, uh, um, you know, trying to, to knock them off that pedestal. And really, that was kind of a passing of the torch, if you will, for a bit. Um, so it's kind of nice to go back next year because I believe the wings will be in their window, right? And the Hawks kind of won't be a little bit reversed. But, um, you know, these outdoor games, you've watched a couple of them, man. They can get really, really ugly on the ice as far as the conditions go. All of the ice, they actually in, – in the uh, – um, uh, all the conditions on the ice as far as the frost and everything and all the all the collection of ice uh, out there where they have to come and clean up during a game. Like the puck doesn't usually go where you actually want it to go. It does a lot of tricky things. Uh, but again, don't worry about all that. Just actually get there, enjoy the game. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on those tickets, see when those uh, get released. So we're going to have to definitely be on top of that. Uh, next topic, we brought this up not too long ago on the podcast. Talking about the Los Angeles Kings, how they'd really kind of outperformed, really was kind of a sneaky team, a great start, great goaltending. Yeah, stuff is starting to fall apart. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get the word Todd McClellan, the head coach of the Kings, has been fired. Uh, Jim Hiller uh, named the interim coach for the remainder of the season. GM Rob Blake also hired former center's head coach G.J. Smith as an assistant coach. I was a little shocked by this. What did you think? I I mean, they're in a little bit of a tailspin, but I thought they way outplayed, you know, themselves at the beginning of the year. I just thought they were playing so good. I was shocked to see them come in and all of a sudden fire uh, uh, McClellan after the nice start. I was really shocked as well. Um, he's the sixth head coach this year to be fired. Um, and probably there'll be at least one or two more. Um, and if you look at that, uh, you're you're looking at uh, roughly 25% of the league's actually firing coaches during the season. It's a little crazy. It's crazy. Uh, it is I mean, a little crazy. But but JT, I, I'm with you. I was a little shocked here. Uh, so let's let's back up just a little bit before I tell you and agree with you on why I'm a little shocked by this. The Kings started 27 and four, and I think we all agree 
that was a little, they were playing a little over their heads. All right. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying the Kings are not ready to win. And I'm not saying they're actually just an average team. I think they're a better than average team, but they started off gangbusters, man. And uh, they currently now they sit at 23, 15 and 10 since December 27th, they're three, eight and six. All right. So that's not a whole lot of points. That's only 12 points in your last 17 games. But what's the reason for this skid, if you will? Um, and really, JT, you mentioned it, right? The goalies. Uh, the goalies overperformed early in the season, October, November, and December. They did. Uh, Talbot, he hasn't won a game since December 23rd. So Riddick's picked up a little bit. They've had uh -huh. some injuries with Copley. But it's their goaltending, man. Their goaltending's really failed them. I don't think they forgot how to play defense. You got guys like uh, Dowdy. You got guys like Matt uh, Roy or Waugh, however the hell they actually pronounce his last name. Um, they And also... Um, I, I think there are good defensive teams. If you look at guys like Kempe and they got guys like Anze Kopitar and they've actually had injuries um, um, by Arvidsson, uh, but they also have Fiala. They just really haven't scored over the last three weeks or so. They haven't. They uh, so, But I don't think all is lost. I was a little shocked by this. Um, I mean, uh, JT, I mean, you know, I, I can see a lot of other teams actually playing worse than they are, and they haven't fired their head coach. So there must have been something else going on. Yeah, I mean, I talked about Talbot at the beginning of the year that he was maybe my biggest surprise of the season. I mean, I couldn't believe how well he was playing to start off the year. Obviously, he's come back to earth here, but uh, he, I mean, he got off to a great start. I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, man, where has this guy been the last couple of years? Because he was on fire, and we've seen he's... He's going to win now. So I think that's a big one, too. He was just so good in the first half of the year. Um, I just a shocking move by me as a, a team that wasn't playing terrible. A little bit of a hiccup here. But you're going to see those peaks and valleys. We talk about it every year in hockey. You're going to get those those weeks where you don't play well, and you get the weeks where you play great. It's just the way it is. It's a long freaking season. It's a long season, man. And so you're going to have those things. So that was one of those that just kind of caught me a little off guard. Uh, some yeah, other and, news. And, and, I'm going to have to finish yeah, up here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to mention something else there. You do wonder if it was uh, um, some type of difference of opinion between the front office and the head coach and the staff. Uh, uh -huh. You know, the reason being, too, is they bring in an, an assistant coach as DJ Smith. Uh, they used to coach for the center as well. And they named this Jim Hiller interim, meaning like they like DJ Smith. Uh, so uh, they maybe just grooming him uh, to say, hey, uh, come in, help us actually straighten this out. If we actually do straighten it out, then it's your job to actually have. But here's a, another reason why I think it's just kind of surprising. Um, they've lost 10 out of their last 17 games in this awful stretch of 17 games. 10 of those have been losses by one goal. They're in games. Now, they're averaging giving up. 3.4 goals in that span, which is really the top 10 worst in the league. I think they're like 10th, but it's not like they're first or second. So there have been, I mean, you know how hockey is a bounce here or there, a lucky goal, a, a, a redirection, a deflection. Those one goal games, losing 10 of those in those 17 games, it could easily actually be where you won five of those with a bounce of a puck. So I like the Kings and I like what they're doing. Uh, they talk about success me maybe being a little too early. But what I really like about the Kings is they have a good mix of veteran play with really young talent. So a lot of people's like, well, is this success too early or whatnot? 
No, they got a good mix. It's not like the entire team's young, and they're actually bringing everybody out, kind of like the Blackhawks were everybody's young. I mean, this team's kind of built now and ready to win now with Talbot playing out of his ass and actually playing way too – yeah, he was, but yeah, I'm <laughs> yep. with you. Not to belabor JT, but yeah, I was a little shocked by this actually move. There, there must be some contention between that staff and the front office. Mm. Uh, well, uh, last little tidbit of news I heard. Uh, going around on, on X today – you know, the situation in, in Arizona has been in just an absolute nightmare. Uh, a lot of people have covered it. And the, the ownership has been bad. They can't figure out a stadium. Uh, can't tell if people in Arizona really want to watch hockey or if it's like and the, they're just so mad with ownership and the way things have gone that people are just kind of boycotting and not going to games. If it was actually something different, they'd show up. But so there was word coming out today that the owner of the Utah Jazz is very interested instead of trying to go um, the new franchise route, getting a new team. Or we know there's been talk about maybe adding two more teams to the league. Yes. Instead of going that route, maybe purchasing – Arizona moving them to Utah and having the team and Utah absolutely getting rid of the ownership group in Arizona and kind of moving the whole team. Uh, I saw a couple of people talk about it kind of when the Atlanta Thrashers did that and ended up moving and how they put to keep the team together. And they got it done in like six months where they, they were able to like, it was like less than six months. They were able to get the team moved, get everything set up and get the team going in the new city. Very interesting to see if that would be the move. Hey, you know, Utah, a lot more snow in Utah there is in Arizona, I'll tell you that. But uh, I think maybe it could be successful there, you know, as you really have the Utah Jazz, and that's just about it there. So that, I think that maybe could be something that hits. Um, I would just like to see a new ownership group, and I'd love to see this whole debacle that's been going on in Arizona forever. Kind of, I'd love to see it in the rearview mirror for the NHL. Yeah, and the reason why we want to see it in a rearview mirror is because this Arizona team's young and they're good. Uh, JT, mm. honestly, think about if you actually put all those players and you put them in a larger market. This would be a successful team, and they'd be supported. Um, and mm. look at how Utah Jazz, you know, Salt Lake City, quite frankly, kind of, I don't know, out there in the middle of nowhere, right, in Utah. But they love that team. And the Jazz mm -hmm. has always been supported really, really well. I would imagine that it would be no different if they actually were to bring that franchise over. I think that everybody wants to see this happen. This Arizona thing hasn't worked out, honestly, from day one. Um, it's been mm -hmm. that way for a super, super long time. Uh, I want to say even uh, – and I don't remember. Maybe you'll actually remember, JT, but I want to say that uh, that Gretzky was even involved in that Arizona organization. He was early on, yes. He yeah, was early when on. it first came on – it never worked from day one. It's always been contentious. Uh, I believe actually um, uh, even when their first head coach uh, and then with Gretzky actually being involved there as well. And it's continued throughout this entire debacle here of the stadium, of the ownership group. And I don't know. Okay. Let's say you don't have a new stadium or ownership group, but the product on the ice is pretty good and young. If I'm in Arizona, I'm actually living in Phoenix. I'm supporting that team. I'm supporting them right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if, if they don't want them, good. Get them out of there. Actually get them over to Utah. I think it would be great for the league. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I just uh, – you just hate when you see these things go on for this long. It's just kind of crazy. I If you were looking at kind of deep – you want a good laugh, but you want to kind of look deep dive a little bit into this. There's a guy on the X 
called Urinating Tree. It's not Urinating Tree. He does some hilarious videos. He has an absolutely fabulous video about this Arizona situation. So if you get a chance, go on, look that up, try to find it on his page. You're at Urinating Tree. Guy does some great other videos. You'll probably get stuck on that page forever if you go there and look. But he he has an absolutely hysterical uh, representation of everything that's been going on in this mess. And uh, it's it's worth a watch. Uh, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and J- right. JT, I could see the I could see uh, the jazz ownership uh, even really bringing in. Um, you know, again, as a small knit community there, I could really see them bringing in guys like uh, Hall of Famers Malone and Stockton as well to try to actually do a little bit of promotion for the team. Um, I would imagine that the the local fans there they actually host hosted an Olympics. It wasn't that long ago when they actually hosted a Winter Olympics, and it did extremely well. Um, I mean, again, what else would you have to do in Utah? So I think I think the fan base would be rabid. I think they would be awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And and honestly, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. They didn't let me to do this, and and hopefully, it's like what you said. Hey, within six to nine months, it's a done deal, and actually, we're going into next season with them out of Arizona and maybe they'll be called something else. I don't know. It really doesn't matter. They can continue to call them the Coyotes. I mean, how many times has organizations moved and you're like, okay, you're the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, <laughs> you know, well, so I mean, it, works. It's still in the mountains, you still got the mountains out there. I'm not sure what the coyote population is in Utah, but I'm sure <laughs> it, it would work. And you know, you got a lot of snow out there and everything else. So, Hey, you got a lot of people like to ski, snowboard, all that stuff. So I, I don't think it could hurt you there. No, not at all. I, I let's do it. Let's do it. Heck, if, if they want to go ahead and move that franchise out to Utah, um, I would say automatically they'd probably be a top five team for me that I would follow. Why not? All right, that's uh, kind of it for the news around the league right now. We're going to do a little bit of a, a different segment. We're going to go. It's called pick a player. So we're going to go through here. Kind of, we're going to name some guys. In case you're a manager and you're like looking at, hey, should I move a guy? Should I trade a guy? What should I do? Uh, we're going to s- discuss kind of like guys with similar statistics, kind of make up profiles, uh, and, and say like kind of who would you take for the for the remainder of the year? What is the guy you would jump on here? And, and tell us, you can even throw on like for you know redraft or dynasty purposes, you know. Either one, because it might be different, uh, you know, redraft compared to dynasty on here. But let's uh, let's set up a couple of these. I'm going to hit you with some some uh, guys as we run down the list here. You throw me some uh, ideas, what you think about them, and then we'll kind of see if we can figure out who we like the best. So to start things off here, Toast, we're going to go we're going to go center, and we're going to go two guys, a little bit different age gap here, but two pretty talented players. We're going to go my guy, one of my favorite players in the league, Dylan Larkin for the Detroit Red Wings. And we're going to go Sidney Crosby, one of the all-time greats from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Who do you got in this matchup if you had to make a decision between these two guys? Yeah, and you, you hit it on the head, JT. It really does make a big difference on what type of uh, format we're talking about. And let's just talk about all the different formats, why we're doing this. And we'll kind of sprinkle mm-hmm. in a little bit of that, why we uh, compare these players. Uh, I w- want to first tell everybody that's actually listening, and this from a fantasy perspective, you can't go wrong with either one of these players. We know that. <laughs> we get it. Um, you know, so, but there, y- you never know this type of year. Usually the trade deadlines are actually either A, already happened in some leagues, or B, is getting ready to happen, where it, this, it may not be Larkin for Crosby head, you know, straight up, but it may be part of a package. And so mm-hmm. let's just maybe talk about each one of these players briefly. 
just to give the listeners a little bit of information on them, we already know they're great, and we already know how great Sidney Crosby is. He's a top 20 player of all time, for crying out loud. So, um, But Larkin, uh, JT, you've seen him, and you've watched a ton of hockey out of Larkin. He's having his best season. He's having his absolutely party. Um, he's already up to 23 goals. Uh, he's got uh, 47 points so far. I think he's like pacing for something like 90 points already. That's definitely a career high. Um, you, you had actually told me, and I hadn't really watched a whole lot of them lately, but they've been on terror of late. Uh, I, I went back and looked. He's got 10 goals in his last 10 games. <laughs> Six assists like that, and he's got a point. Man on straight. Yeah, 12 straight games with a point. I'd imagine that's got to be a career high for him, and it's probably not even close, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's shooting a puck a ton. He's on pace for 300 shots, and uh, he usually doesn't shoot all that much, but, man, he's doing it this year. I think, again, it's that confidence. It's him actually being the captain of that team. He's got great players around him right now with DeBrinket, Raymond, a young player, also Patrick Kane as well. And they got a good supporting cast down there in those lines two and three. They really are. They're all role players. And actually, none of them is great, but none of them actually bad either. And they know their role. They actually know their job. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about in previous podcasts, I think Detroit, they're just starting to get their confidence, man. They're just starting to believe now. They're like, hey, they know they're actually good. They're getting some really, really good goaltending play here as well. So I love Larkin. You know, uh, mm-hmm. JT, uh, uh, yeah. I, 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 a little I was, bit about what do you what do you think? Maybe tell me about Crosby. <laughs> yeah. So so well here before we get into to Crosby, let me let me talk a little bit about Larkin here. The reason I felt like this was finally going to be the year for him to really kind of start breaking out. He's like, I think it's a similar situation to Connor Bedard with the Blackhawks. When Larkin got there, he was kind of the only guy. Like, when they got him, it was like, hey, we're breaking this thing down. We're tearing it down. We're getting rid of everybody. We're getting rid of the bad contracts. You're just going to have to hang in there for a few years and kind of hold us together while we build around you. And so... You're seeing now they finally got the pieces in place. He's not all alone. I there was games where he was out there, you know, the last couple of years, and you're like, I don't even know if he knew the tune or not because he's like, what am I even doing out here? Because he couldn't even control the puck. They couldn't even get any offense going. It, you know, so I think you know now that they've actually figured out what they want to do, I think he's way more confident to to put the stick on it and try to get a goal. And he's also got he knows he's got guys around him that actually can get rebounds have a chance to put the puck back in the net. It's not just him taking a shot and love save. All right, let's, you know, face off again. So I just think the talent around him, I think, you know, I think Blackhawks are going to be, because Connor Bedard is such a talent and so, you know, so much hype around him. I think the Blackhawks will be able to rebuild faster than than the Red Wings have done here, but Stevie Wise had it in his mind. You know, ever since they got him over from Tampa Bay, he's really kind of sort of turned this thing around. Um, and I, I just think it's really shown in Larkin's game this year. Uh, 27 years old, you know, he's just one of those guys. He's finally putting it all together, and I think it's because a lot of the guys around him. Yeah, and and before we move on to Crosby, I couldn't agree with you more, JT. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Uh, that's really important to bring up, uh, you know, where he's came from. And uh, but if you think about it now, um, they have a perfect situation if they can go line one with Kane 
on the right side, Debrinket on the left side, and have Larkin in there in the middle, and especially on the power play as well. Because what will happen? Kane will draw two defenders on that front on the right side. He loves to have that cross the ice pass. I've seen it a million times to Debrinket for that one timer because Debrinket mm-hmm. that right-handed shot on the left-hand side there. And you know what Larkin's job is? Is to be the bully in the middle there and actually get rebounds and be that net front presence. And that that's that's a, all the great teams have that. They all do. You see Kucherov actually being on the right side. You see Stamkos on the left side. And then you end up having players um, you know, like Hagel and, and other players like that that actually can play that middle there where the pest in the middle actually uh, blocking the goalie there and actually making life difficult on them. Every great team's got that, just like Tampa Bay. Now, Detroit's actually got that as well. And they're just getting started. Yeah. Kane's going to be there for a couple more years, man. I love Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I love it. So let's talk about Crosby. Obviously, guy that's going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. I mean, this unbelievable career. The crazy thing, Crosby the kid, he's not the kid anymore. Mm-hmm. But the guy is still putting up stats. 27 goals. 24 assists, 51 points. He's not scoring at the insane rates he was earlier in his career, but the guy is still good. He's still playing well. And I think people have kind of forgotten about him just a hair just because the Penguins have been slightly down this year compared to what people were expecting out of him. So, I mean, he's still got some good guys around him. It's not the guys we've seen in the past. You know, you know, he has isn't playing with some of those guys that used to be on his line. He's a guy who's been staying, and you think, yeah, some of these guys start getting older. Maybe they fade as the season goes on. Crosby looking good right in the All-Star break. Five goals, five assists in his last ten games. I mean, he's looked he's looked really good. And it's like, these are the type of guys, too. These Kind of like you just say with Patrick Kane. You just can't give up on these guys. These guys are just so good. They'll play, and they're going to be good till the very end. Yeah, generational talents like that will be good all the way until the end. And uh, the good thing about players like that is they know when to hang it up. They really, really do. They, they actually have an expectation of themselves. They can't play at the level that they expect of themselves. They'll just be done. They'll be done. Uh, mm-hmm. But you mentioned it, JT, 36 years old, man. He's no longer the kid no more. But he's playing like the kid, pacing for 100 points this year. Do you realize it's been six seasons since he got 100 points? He's always been like high 80s, low 90s. He's having his best season in like six seasons. And I think he started off his career like five out of his first six years. He actually went over 100 points. Man, he's a point machine right now. Um, And Mm -hmm. really, uh, Russ has actually been hurt. Surprisingly, Malkin's actually been there, but he doesn't play with Malkin on the same line anymore. They kind of tried to spread that wealth. The defensive issues uh, they've actually had, they've they've been evident. They've actually been there uh, with uh, Carlson. Uh, you know, arriving and also with Tang that never really has worked out. Gensel really hasn't got going the way Gensel actually can. Um, Pittsburgh started off the season first 15 games, man, even though Crosby is producing, they were hot garbage. That, that team was no mm-hmm. good at all. Um, and now I think they're actually right there in the wild card chase. They may only be like a point out. They got a big win last night um, and actually beat, I think it was, uh, they beat Winnipeg. And it was 3 nothing. I mean, so we'll have to kind of see what Pittsburgh – because, again, with those two defensemen, Pittsburgh, if they figure that out, Pittsburgh could be really, really dangerous. And uh, a guy like Jari and Goal, he's done it before. Uh, there's no reason why he can't do it again. 
Um, I didn't believe I'd be saying this, man, but I kind of like Pittsburgh now where I hated him early in the season, but it has nothing to do with Crosby because Crosby is actually having one of the best seasons of his career at 36 years old. Yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, right now, Penguins are sitting at 53 points. They're one game, uh, one point behind the Islanders uh, for third in the wild card, and they're currently Toronto and Detroit, as we just spoke about, the Red Wings, both of them with 58 points. So they're five points out right now uh, yeah. for a team that got off to a terrible start. So pretty interesting here. So let's jump in here. What's our final take on these two guys? Who would you take? You know me. I'm going to lean Larkin, but that's just my Red Wing love coming through. But also, I got to take him for the age, 27 years old. And I think, like I said, I just think the ascension is coming here for the Red Wings. I just think they're ascending. They've got the right guys in place to play around him. Uh, if you could, if you're in a redraft league, I could see you going like a two for two. Or like a three for two where you maybe oh I'll take Crosby and get rid of Larkin in a redraft league. If I can get a little plus added on, maybe I add a second player and give up a guy that's not as good. Uh, I could see making that move for sure. But in Dynasty, I got to go Larkin. I'm going to Larkin in all formats. Um, and it has nothing to do with Crosby, like uh, not believing in Crosby because I do. But I just believe Larkin's turned a corner. And I believe Detroit's actually turned a corner. And I think they're going to get to the point where uh, he's going to put up 90-plus points every year. Every year. Um, They're going to do some really, really good things. Given his age, where he's at, you would imagine that Crosby, let's say whether it's a keeper format, whether it's a dynasty format, whether it's a cap format, or it's a redraft format, he's still good. But I just think Larkin's got that higher ceiling now because he's got a lot more hockey left in him. So I'm going Larkin. Um, and, uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what Larkin does in the, the second half of the season. I would say out of all of those points he's got right now, JT, 47 of them, remember the start they got off to in the first 10 games of the season, man. I mean, they were tearing it up and he had so many yeah. points there. I'm not saying that, Hey, he cooled off and like, it's been, it's been steady, but what if they can sustain that type for like three weeks instead of like two weeks or a month, you know, then they show mm-hmm, they can absolutely. do it. So I, I think they can continue that they have another streak is what I'm saying. And I think you have another streak where Larkin can go ahead and score 20 points in a get at a 10 game period, you know, something like McDavid would actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they, you know, they had a little bit of a low in the middle of the year. Kind of start falling in the playoff picture. All of a sudden they're playing right back in it. And I think they're like, okay, we got past that like rough patch. And we're still in the mix. I think this team is just going to be getting better and better in the second half. So I like where your head's at there. So we move on from center. Let's head over to left wing. Two guys we want to talk about here that I think are super close. Super close. This this one was tough when we were talking about this one. Uh, Carter Verhage for the Panthers or Jonathan Marshall. So Las Vegas Knights. Man, these guys real close. Do you want to take Verhage, or do you want me to kind of throw a couple of the stats out about him? No, you go ahead, JT. You're, yeah, you just right. keep running with the ball, man. All right, so Verhage, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yep, so Verhage, right now, 25 goals, 26 assists, 51 points on the year, 164 shots on goal. Line two, but, man, that line has been nice this year. Real nice. He's got Bennett. He's got Kachuk with him. Power play one with Barkov and Reinhardt. Some guys have been... 
you know, lighting it up. So really pacing for, for just an absolute great season point per game on the pace. Uh, he's just been a guy that's been trending up percentage has been good. 15.3%, uh, shooting percentage, good sign for him. Only 28 years old. I like what he's been done. He's a guy that's not a big name. No one's out there like, you know, racing to get for Hagee, but a guy on a team that you saw the Panthers make that big run last year, a little bit slow and sluggish at one point in this season. Didn't know if they were just a little worn down from the run last year, but they another team that seems like they're starting to turn it on. Yeah, it's um, he's going to go back to back 40 goal seasons. Um, and, uh, I didn't realize, uh, JT, he's six, two. Um, I was a little surprised by that. And I was also surprised that he's 28 years old. You know, I thought Verhege was like 23 or 24. Um, and you would think, well, I mean, he must've kicked around the league for a bit and really just finally found a spot. No, no, he was actually traded in year one of his, uh, he didn't arrive to the NHL until he was 23 or 24, just a late bloomer. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Verhege, he's already got 25 goals, as you said, right there. We're halfway, we're a little bit more than halfway. He's pacing for well above 40, probably 45 goals here after having 42 last year. There's another left wing we actually just discussed on uh, Detroit. Now he's not 6'2", he's 5'9", but Alex Debrinkit as well. Debrinkit did back-to-back 40 goals. And what did Debrinkit get? A big contract. So it'll be interesting to see kind of, uh, you know, um, you know, if Verhagen can actually keep this up, he's showing no signs. And you mentioned it right there, JT, or right at the top, is a 15.3 shooting percentage this year. Why is that important? He's shooting right at his career average. That is a great sign for a guy shooting right at his career average going back to back 40. I'd be more concerned if he was shooting like 22 or 23%, but man, he's right at the career average. That means he's doing what he should actually be doing. This is a guy with Barkov and Kachuk and Reinhardt. Florida, man, they're they are set. They're absolutely set. Um, and I I love what Matthew Kachuk's actually doing right now. He's coming on. I was shocked he wasn't an all-star, only because he started off so unbelievably slow. But, man, he's one of the best players in hockey right now. Um, so, uh, love Carter Verhage. He's great. Yeah, they, and they looked great last night. Big, big, nice win for them. Let's talk about Marshall, though. Uh, another team. We watched the game last night. We'll get into it later. I don't want to spoil uh, one of the later segments where they uh, they kind of put it to the Oilers to end the, the Oilers streak. Uh, we didn't talk about it in the beginning of the show because we're going to end it with that, but we'll get back into that. But another guy, 25 goals, 24 assists, 49 points, 174 shots on goal, playing on a, a nice line with a, a healthy Eichel. Hard play one with Stone and Stevenson. Uh, he's got eight goals, five assists his last ten. I mean, he's a guy's a little bit older, uh, but he still keeps producing. Yeah, I uh, I, I like Marcheseau. Um, Eichel's been out for quite a bit uh, this year. I want to say at least the last fifteen games. Um, and uh, honestly, um, Marcheseau has really stepped up with Eichel being out. Um, and Roy has taken more of that leadership role, and he should. Honestly, Marcheseau is 33, like you said. He probably is. I know he wears an A on his jersey. So, uh, you know, it would, and Mark Stone's actually the captain of that team. That's another team that actually has a lot of young talent and actually has a lot of veteran leadership and winning the cup last year. And also, uh, Marcheseau was around when they actually came out in their inaugural season and actually went to the cup finals, which no 
team in the history of the big four sports has actually ever done. And maybe they won't ever actually do that again. It was absolutely amazing. But that was crazy. It was crazy. He's pacing for 40 goals this year. Um, that's his best since 2017, 2018. I was shocked when I actually did a little bit of checking here to J, uh, uh, today, JT, that his previous career goal mark high is only 30. This guy scores. Ooh, so he's I wouldn't a, have uh, known that. No, I would have. I would have thought. Oh, he's he's went over forty, maybe once or twice. I would. I would have thought that. Well, he hasn't. Um, so he's going to blow that out of the water this year. Um, he's at twenty-five goals already, as you were saying, shooting a ton, one hundred and seventy-four shots on goal. He always has shot a lot. We know that. I take him on shot props a lot. So he's pacing for like three hundred and twenty-five shots on goal, which is an absolute ton. But this was a tough one. This was a tough one. Um, if somebody, if I own Jonathan Marchessault and somebody was offering me Carter Verhage for him, I'd be like, especially in a redraft league, I'd be like, why? Why are you actually doing that? You're getting the same production, the same player here. They're both actually surrounded with uh, good line mates as well in Vegas, and he's in a really, really good situation. But you look at the age, right? 28 versus 33 years old. But 33? Marshall doesn't show any signs of actually slowing down. If anything, he's actually getting a little bit better. Yeah, it is one of his best seasons ever. Yeah. So, JT, in this one here, I went Marshall. So, uh, and it was tough. This was the hardest one out of all of the positions we've talked about. Uh, but I just think what he's doing is even just more impressive than actually what uh, Verhege's doing. And Verhege's impressive. Back-to-back 40-goal seasons actually coming up. But without Eichel... And actually, also, too, William Carlson had to take a little bit of a different role on that team as well. Went through a little bit of a hot streak and then a real, really super cold streak. Marcus has been the steady guy in that entire lineup. And you got to think that Vegas has actually struggled a little bit after coming off red hot. They struggled a little bit, but Marcus, just think where they actually would have been without him. So uh, um, I like Marcus here. I really, really do. Yeah, that one's tough for me. I was I was right with you. I, I thought it was a hard decision. You know, just for the age factor, I probably lean for Hagee in a dynasty. But honestly, if Chuck starts picking it up, some of these other guys pick it up. Does that mean for Hagee, does he slightly lose a little bit? I don't know. It feels like the it feels like Vegas really needs Marshall. So I don't yeah. think they really need him to keep doing what he's doing for the rest of the year. But I'm like you, I think I would slightly lean Marshall so right now. But uh it's a tough one. You know, I think that one is about as close as it gets. And we'll talk a little bit about Vegas here in a second, JT, because I, want, I really want to talk about them as a team, uh, you know, yep. based on uh, – yeah, but let's, 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 uh, let's head over to right wing and let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so for right wing, two guys we, we have on the list we want to talk about is uh, Clayton Keller, Arizona, team we just talked about, the old Coyotes, and then uh, Travis Konechny, Philadelphia Flyers. So that we've talked about a little bit, guys really started to pick it up, you know, looking good. 23 goals, 20 assists, 43 points, 170 shots on goal. Jump in and tell me about him because I know you really like him as a player. Yeah, I, I, I like Konechny a whole lot, and I like him even more so with John Tortorella as the coach there at Philadelphia. Um, he has really found a good line mate and also a power play tandem there with, uh, with, uh, with Farabee. Farabee has actually come on there as well. Uh, but connecting is super young. He's only 25 years old. 
Um, and I think that's ends up being, I think that's the same age as Keller uh, is at 25 years old as well. But think about line one with Farabee. Also, he gets to play with Tippett, another young player. Couture, actually a, a, a veteran has been around a long time, but Couture, when healthy, has been super good. So, um, but I just think that Connect needs to become the leader of that Flyers team. Um, and I was shocked today. Again, a lot of these episodes, I'll go back because I don't, I watch a ton of hockey, you know, that JT and actually you, you watch quite a bit as well. I don't know all these other teams, uh, these players, like their statistics off the top of my head. I was shocked when his previous career high was only 61 points and that was last year. So he's going to kill that this year. He's at 43 mm-hmm. points right now and barring injury, he'll be close to a point per game player. He'll be close to high seventies, low eighties. I mean, he's going to beat it by 20 points. Uh, so connecting only being 25 and again, Philadelphia is also kind of doing that. So that, that, that kind of a quick, I wouldn't say it was a rebuild, it was a retool and mm-hmm. they've got a lot of young talent. I actually like on that team again, with some leadership there as well. Some some veteran leadership to kind of go with it. And a guy like Tortorella, think about what the Flyers did actually last night, man. They go into the, the Florida, they beat uh, the, a red hot Florida team two to one. You know why? Because Tortorella was actually going to come out there and, ex- and, and, and accept them coming out and playing flat. He's just not that type of guy. He's actually going to be right up their ass, making sure that uh, they're actually playing for every loose puck in the corners, you know, winning every single battle. And it looks like, and we'll get into that here in a second, but it looks like Philadelphia showed up last night and Florida didn't. And Philadelphia actually went on the road and actually beat Florida, which is pretty impressive. But Connecty, love Connecty, having a heck of a season. Right. He's a guy who I felt like there's been, we've talked about this, I feel like for two or three years, with just a lot of good young talent in Philly. And they just weren't getting production that you would have thought these guys would have given you. And I think it's just, I think you talked about it. I think it was coaching, just the way everything was going there. I just think players were not getting, you know, weren't optimizing their skill level. And I, I'm like you, if you would have told me that was his previous career high, I'd been like, really? Yeah. Like that's all he's ever scored. Cause I like him a lot more of a player than that. So it's nice to see that he's finally hitting and, you know, Doing what we kind of thought he would the last couple of years. So he's kind of uh, coming to fruition. I tell you, the next guy we want to talk about, let's jump into Clayton Keller. This is a guy, and I don't know why. Every time I see his age, for some reason, I think he's a ton older. And yeah, I don't yeah. know why. I always think he's old. Like, I'll, I'll go look to draft him, and I'll, like, I'll have to, like, go pull up his player profile, and I'll be like, Oh, dang, this is only 25. I always think he's like 31 or 32. I don't know why that is. There's absolutely no good reason for it. But for some reason, I just, especially because he plays in Arizona, it just makes me think that he's like older than he is. And I guess maybe it's because I just haven't paid very much attention to them. So I just think he's been around forever. But, uh, but Jake, he's, yeah, maybe uh, because, dude, it may be because he's been in the league since he's been like 12. <laughs> it does feel like he's been in the league forever. So it's like I always feel like his name's been around and like just see him in drafts, like he's always there. And so again, it to me it feels like he's a lot older than he is. But I was shocked when he looked at this and I was like, Oh, he's only 25, really? I was like, I would have not thought that at all. Uh, but he has been really good. 25 goal, uh, 20 goals, 25 assists, 45 points, 147 shots on goal. And as you said. You know, for all the stuff happening in Arizona, he, you know, they got some talent, and he's been one of the the best young bright spots for them. 
Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, looking back, uh, I was shocked to see how good he was as a 19-year-old in Arizona. And think about that. In Arizona, of all places, uh, Arizona has always been somewhat of a dumpster fire. We already discussed that at length and why we think they should actually move over to Utah. Um, but, uh, I mean, he had a 23 goal and 42 assists for 65 points in his age 19 season. And, man, last year was kind of his coming out party. You know, he had 86 points in 82 games, 37 goals, 49 assists. And again, you got to give the guy props because he's doing it in Arizona. Uh, you know, imagine him in a larger market with really, really good players around him where he actually didn't have to carry play. Think about how good he'd actually be. I mean, think about the statistics. It would be, I would be totally different. Yeah, it would be totally yeah. different if he was on a major market and his name was out there all the time. I think that's why th- he's been in the league forever, but also I think that's why he's old because I'm like, I don't hardly ever hear about him. And so you think, oh, he's just one of the older players playing solid. He's a good good player, but he's you know on a bad team. And I think yeah. you just you kind of forget about him. And just yeah. because he's in Arizona. And it's not fair. It's not fair because uh, he's got uh, – I will say – and it's not fair to the Arizona team either. Lawson Krause is only 26 years old. Um, he's actually a, a really, really good young player. Um, they got Nick Schmaltz is 27, the former Blackhawk. He's been around the block for a little bit. Uh, Carsoni as well has actually come on as a 27-year-old. And then um, I like this Matthias Masili. Um, and we talked about him in a couple of previous uh, episodes there. Only 23 years old. Uh, they, they traded for Sean Dursey last year. Dursey actually comes over for the LA Kings. Um, and uh, so look at their core. Uh, Arizona, man, uh, teams that are actually wanting to get a um, a franchise. and Or uh, I guess cities are wanting to get a franchise. They'd be salivating to get this core. This young, they're, they're young. They're good. Clayton has... Clayton Keller has no business putting the stats up that he's been putting up. Not with that. Not, I mean, the last six, seven years he's been there. No business doing what he's doing. That just shows how good he is. If I'm picking between these two, even though their statistics are, statistics are pretty close and actually like Konechny, for me, it's not close. Uh, Clayton Keller's my pick. See, for me, if you would have just blind drawn it before we started looking at stuff, talking about it, if you would have put their names next to each other, I would have probably said Konechny, like, yeah, for sure. For sure. Then we really started looking at it. I'm like, man, I am really underrated Keller. I was like, I am like really, really dog in this guy. And I felt terrible. I was like, man, he's way better than I think. And it's just like, but I have to be honest, even though they have that young, good core, just everything that's happened in Arizona, like it's like the last team I watch. Yeah. They're like yeah, the they, last they team I turn on. If there's games going on, everybody else is playing. I will almost watch anyone before I watch them. And it's not, it's not, I don't know why. I think it's just because all the bad things has gone on around there. I just don't even think about watching the team. I think they're going to be terrible, even though they're better than I give them credit for. I just, in my mind, I think they're really bad. And I, it's from the last couple of years. And so I just never turn on any of their games. I really got to start watching them a little bit more. Uh, yeah. you with, yeah. Once we did the same, we, you got to pull this out. I was like, man, Keller. This piqued my interest a little more. Maybe there's people out there like me. I might need to go try to get me some Keller. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, JT, I think um, 
um, we should really watch an Arizona game and uh, really maybe do a live cast on uh, watching Arizona. Maybe if they play the Hawks or they play the Wings and really get a really, really good look at them. I watched him three or four times this year, especially when I've taken Clayton Keller on the shot props, which he's really, really good at as well. And, uh, man, again, just more reason or not that they need to go to Utah. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to say it, but uh, way too much talent on that team. Um, let's, uh, let's take advantage. Uh, the people in Arizona, honestly, they should be ashamed of themselves actually not going to the games. Let's uh, jump into our defenseman here uh, as we're kind of round up the last couple segments of the show here. Let's talk about our defenseman before we get in to kind of our final thoughts on some of the stuff we're doing here. We talk, we're going to talk about Charlie McAvoy, Boston Bruins, Adam Fox, New York Rangers. Two guys, pretty well-known players. What do you think here? McAvoy, seven goals, 26 assists, 33 points, 81 shots on goal. Bangers League, he's got 45 penalty minutes, 140 hits and blocks. He's on the power play one with, you know, the studs, uh, Pasta, Marshawn. He's, 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 he's a great group he's with there. You know, what do you think about McAvoy? Uh, you had said previously about Keller, a guy that you kind of forget about and goes under the radar. I think McAvoy is exactly that. That's a perfect way to describe McAvoy. He's outscoring the likes of Carlson and Dougie Hamilton and the other Carlson from Washington and Sergachev. I don't know if, if listeners actually saw tonight, but Sergachev, uh, for Tampa Bay, he had just come back after a 17 game absence, man. And he had a gruesome leg injury. It looked awful. Um, so um, that did not look good at all. But he's outpaced him. He's been better than Mort Sider. He's been better than Brett Burns. But everybody's been better than Brett Burns this year. But think about it, all those names. So right now, he was average draft position of, num- of, of 71, which is 16th among all defensemen on fan tracks at the beginning of the season. McAvoy's been a stud. Um, so he's got a hot streak as well. Going into the break last year, he had seven or, uh, uh, going into the, um, break. He had seven points and eight games going into the break. Um, I love McAvoy, um, JT. I mean, I don't know between him and Fox. Who do you like? JT, you may be on mute. Sorry about that. Yes, I, I Fox is a guy I like. Uh, eight goals, twenty eight assist, uh, twenty nine assists, thirty seven points, sixty eight shots on goals, seventy seven hits and blocks. You know, I think people think about him a little bit more just because the Rangers kind of known for defense, yes. that side of thing. You know, he's a name that I think you think about a lot faster than McAvoy. But I think McAvoy is actually fantasy wise to me. I think he gets the lean for me. Yeah. What do you what do you think? Yeah, he's more well rounded. He does a little bit of everything. Uh, so the only reason Fox and again Fox is a good player, but Fox isn't going to get all the pims, not all the hits, the blocks. He doesn't shoot the puck as much as McAvoy as well. And Fox this season he's had a couple of injury issues. I wouldn't say he's injury prone by any means at all. Uh, previous two seasons, Fox has had seventy four and seventy two points respectively. This year again, he's going to be in the high seventies probably. So if you look at that, you're like, wow. It should be Fox. It depends on the format. All right. So if you're actually counting peripherals, Bangers League actually counting as a lot, there's no question it's McAvoy. Plus, they're both young. I mean, they're both young. And I was shocked mm-hmm. that McAvoy is only 26 years old. I thought he was actually a lot older than that. So, uh, I mean, JT, you mentioned how he uh, is uh, uh, benefits and the players around him on that power play. 
33% of his points come on the man advantage. So, uh, and he's getting close to three minutes and 30 seconds a night on the power play. That's a ton, man. So last year uh, or last two years, he's kind of come out with 52 points in 56 games. Uh, or I'm sorry, 52 points and 56 points the last two seasons. He's already at 33. He's probably going to pass it up. He's probably going to end up getting somewhere in the low 60s, which again, Fox will actually outscore him by a good 10, 12 points, but he does everything. So um, I I kind of like McAvoy. Yeah, I like it too. I think I think I'm going with you there, especially with just kind of how all, you know, the way you're talking about just all the other stuff he brings to you. So that's going to do it for our, uh, what we talk our players. Nice little segment we had there. Pick a player. Uh, let's jump in. We're going to talk about just here to finish things up. We got together, watched some hockey last night, had some bets going that we really felt good about, and man, we got worked. We didn't hit a single thing coming off the all-star break. We probably should have taken that into a little bit more consideration, though I still like the bets we had out there, but just really struggle. We we like some of the favorites. Uh, Boston, we both really liked, and Calgary, number one, put it to them. Uh, even though Boston was the heavy favorite of minus 192, we jumped on a little bit of a live bet when they got down early. Uh, I think I dropped on them when they're down two goals to come back and win, and we jumped on another one at minus two and a half. Thought we were good, and they just ended up getting rolled. They had nothing to say about that. They just did not look good. Calgary played way better than I've seen them play almost all year. So that was a that was a pretty interesting one. You got any thoughts on that game? Yeah, uh, Boston looked like uh, they still thought it was break. They thought that they were going to come in, uh, that Calgary's going to come in, and they were just going to roll them easy. Calgary beat them. They they, they beat them um, uh, uh, to the corners. and uh, the, the loose pucks, they outworked them. Boston was going through the motions the entire game. I tell you what, JT, when we were sitting there in your basement, I was like, this is a yawner of a game. Boston was just going through the motion. There was they, were, mm-hmm. they weren't doing anything. Uh, and plus, minus one ninety two at home versus Calgary. And Calgary's, I mean, hey, put it, they they've got it together a little bit of recent. They're they're uh, they've been better. But honestly, this is a game that Boston should actually have won, and they should have actually won it easily. That's why I was salivating. Even at plus or minus one ninety two, I'm like, I can put them together. I could put them at Florida together, which Florida did the same thing last night. Exactly. And, thing. It was like almost watching the same game. Yep. And I was like, I can put Colorado going to the New Jersey Devils because honestly, the Devils, they have no goaltending at all. Colorado, I know they actually played the night before, but nevertheless, those three together in a three in a three leg parlay all on the money line. I loved it. I was honestly, hey, give me collateral around the house. I was getting ready to put it up. And I think I actually wasted about 25% of my account last night. But I didn't care. We had a great time. Uh, but um, but none of them worked out. Right, JT? I mean, every yeah, single. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. Philly, yeah. Philly just outward Florida. Florida just looked like, like Boston. They were just a little still in the motions. I thought Colorado, I mean, we talked about We're like, they're going to come out and just put it on the Devils. Devils went 5-3. Colorado actually on the road were only a minus one fifteen. I thought that was a gift, oh, and, yeah. uh, and they was just I I couldn't believe it. Uh, so that one was a toughie. Then we was like, all right, we gotta we gotta make up for it. Let's get in a little late night action. Edmonton, Vegas. I jumped in a little college basketball as well to kind of add to it. And, uh, <laughs> and and I like I had the bet. Made I was looking golden on a four pick par or five pick parlay. I thought I was set, 
I just needed McDavid. I had him one and a half points. He comes out, scores a goal right away. I'm like, all right, we're good. We're looking good. You needed him to have an assist. I'm like, bam, he gets the assist. You win. I win. We're looking great. And nothing. Nothing. The rest of the game. Oilers, absolutely nothing. Clinton Goody looks Vegas. Absolute great goaltending. Vegas just looked like they wanted it a little bit more last night at home. Uh, you know, they just they just put it to him and it won the three one win. Um great goal. We needed McDavid the two points. We needed McDavid assist. Got neither. He did hit the shots on goal. We had McGinnon shots on goal, and I had McCarr uh, over half a point. So he had hit, so I had early parlay with all those in there that was looking really good. And then again. Just missed out on that one. I had paired it with uh, two college basketball games, and I thought I was in the money. It was looking golden. But, hey, live for another day, Toast. We'll get back on the horse uh, and kind of keep things going. So we're running down last couple minutes of the show here. Let's talk about a few bets for the rest of the week we like, some stuff to kind of keep an eye out on, and then we'll do our final face-off. Yeah, sounds good, uh, JT. And I'll go ahead and uh, mention a bet that I like uh, for tomorrow. Um, I do like Florida to redeem themselves. Um, they're actually hosting Washington tomorrow. Washington's not a very good hockey team. They will play that slowdown game where uh, they'll only maybe allow less than 30 shots on goal, and they actually play, like to play a little bit of a low-scoring game. But I would imagine that Florida had a little bit of the uh, – uh, the, the break hangover, um, if you will. Uh, they're they're not going to let that happen two games in a row. They're too talented. They're too good. Ford on the money line is minus 245. I don't like that by itself. There's not a very, very good price, but you can play a Matthew Kachuk assist with that. And I would imagine you put both those together, you're going to get it somewhere around plus 150, plus 175 together. Um, Ford was a slow out of the gate for Philadelphia. I think they come back at home strong. They redeem themselves. I like that game tomorrow. Yeah, for me, uh, I got to go with my guys, the Red Wings. They're at home against Vancouver on Saturday. Uh, I'm liking the Detroit money line there. They've won four straight, and they're 5-1 and one in their last six. They're looking good. We already talked about Larkin. Uh, 12 straight games he's scored, uh, 10 goals, 6 assists in that span. He's looking good. So I'm probably going to look on a combo bet of uh, Detroit money line, Larkin points, either points and probably shots on goal is probably where I'm going to look in there and see if I can get a little three team, uh, three pick, same game parlay action in there is probably what I'm looking for uh, this weekend. Yeah, and JT, I, I like that because I guarantee uh, Vancouver, as good as they are, and actually being probably the best team in the NHL right now, Detroit may be plus money at, at home and as good as Detroit's mm-hmm. actually been. I think there'll be a, a home dog. There'll be plus money on the money line. So if you can actually get that with this one lark in point, you're probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of plus 300, 350. That's great. That's great. That's great price right there. I'd say jump on it. And to finish things off, Toast here, we did our first movie review. Uh, we did a movie that we went and saw together a while back that we just were dying on. We thought it hit all the points. Cocaine Bear, if you haven't checked it out, it's on our YouTube channel. It's on the podcast, uh, on Spotify, everything else as well. Uh, We did a little review, kind of went through the movie, all the segments. There's spoilers in there, so you've never seen it. You know, we do have those in there. But what did we want to ask the fans here, Toast? What were you thinking? 
Yeah, so fans, uh, I think JT and I actually decided this could be a hockey podcast. There's no doubt about it. But maybe every about five weeks, and especially as we get into uh, uh, the off offseason, um, we may do a podcast uh, and do a movie review maybe about every five weeks. Every fifth episode, throw a movie review in. That's something we really like to do. And uh, I, I, me and JT, we, we talked about our favorites last episode. JT, one of your favorite movies was Training Day. Um one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies is Silence of the Lambs. I'm a big horror movie film, and I think that's one of those thrillers. Uh, and there's two movies we actually haven't seen, but we want to – I mean, I've seen them, but you haven't seen them. But Sadness and Train to Busan, uh, some of these uh, Asian zombie th- uh, movies as well. So uh, we may go ahead and post uh, a, a couple of movies on our Twitter page and ask you guys to say, hey, which one would you actually choose uh, for us to review next time out? When we do that, which will probably be – Sometime, and I would imagine late February. Um, late February, we'll probably do another movie review. And that's uh, going to do it for us. Thanks, Toast. We're right at about the hour mark for us. Make sure you go back. Like I said, like and subscribe. Give us comments. That always helps us out. And also, go follow Total Apex Sports. They're really building up the new website, Fancy Betting news they got a little bit of everything so go check them out as our show is also going to be on there thanks for joining us tonight we appreciate it that's going to be it for the stew thank you next time